Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. Well, good morning. I invite you to take your copy of the Word of God and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Here we are on this Mother's Day, and I want to extend a happy Mother's Day to my mom, to my mother-in-law, to my wife. I'm so thankful for these ladies. I love them. I'm thankful for the ladies in this congregation and how you serve. Some have children in the church. Some do not have children in the church or do not have children. And yet God has used you as women of faith. And I'm thankful for your, for your investment, all of these ladies, into my life, into the lives of my children, my family. I'm so thankful for that. And this morning, we are going to, we're going to look at the mother of Jesus. What an example of a woman of faith. If you have already accessed the worship guide, uh, you can see this um, in the comments. It's there. It's on our webpage, on the main page. Uh, you can find the worship guide for today, a place to put down the notes as we look at the life of Mary, this woman of faith. And I want to say, as we have been in these eight weeks now, not able to come together and worship, thank you so much for continuing to share in the work here at Grace. Thank you for caring about others in our community, caring for others in our church. It's been such a blessing to me. And I thank you, and I just want to encourage you, keep giving, keep praying for our mission partnerships, keep praying for those in need, and pray for us as elders that God will give us wisdom on how we can reopen and regather and meet together again soon, we pray, in the near future, and worship here together as a body of Christ. We recently concluded our Live Boldly series. Last Sunday, we finished having breakfast by the sea with Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus ascend into heaven, the church waits, and then the Spirit is sent, and then the day of Pentecost happens. We know that the story did not end with Jesus ascending. There was more. When the book of Acts opens, the writer presents the details of the ascension that happened 40 days after the resurrection. Jesus ascended into heaven, and his disciples were left waiting. In Acts, this is what we have from Dr. Luke in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 
And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood beside them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Here the church is, and they're in a period of waiting. And then in Acts 1 and verse 12, it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. And this next verse is the key verse of our study this morning. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. This is the word of the Lord. As we look at this, primarily this one verse, and we look at the life of Mary, my question is, how did we get to this point? How did we get to this upper room, the gathered church, all waiting, and Mary is with them? The church entered into a 10-day prayer meeting, waiting on the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is one verse that might easily be overlooked that explains volumes regarding the most recognized mother to have ever lived, and that's Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we want to understand her. We want to see her the way God has presented her in Scripture, in the Bible. Ladies, can you imagine the honor of being the mother of the Christ child? Now, right now, as this sermon is being recorded, we're in the midst of a global pandemic due to the coronavirus. There are babies being born, and they're being born under extreme difficulties and circumstances. Who can come in the room, and how are they able to, to join in or, or not be there? And so as babies are being born right now, think about when Jesus was born. A time when an empire was under a, a proclamation from Caesar that everyone should return to their place of birth to be registered. And that's why Joseph and Mary had to make that journey to Bethlehem. Mary was chosen by God. That, As Paul says to the Galatians that Jesus was born at precisely the right time in human history. But being chosen by God and being loved by God does not mean that we will not go through the highs and lows of life. Mary experienced the blessings and she experienced the burdens. But her faith, she was a woman of faith. And she forever serves as an example for us to grow in our ability to trust God in every situation, in every circumstance, to not run from God, but to run to God. So how do we get here? How do we get to Mary being here, devoted in this room, 
in prayer. How did we get to this point? Her life was anything but easy. Her life serves as a pattern of what it looks like to continually trust and rest in the sovereign goodness of God. So here's what we want to see this morning. As we look at the word of God, what do we learn? What do we learn about trusting God from the life of Jesus' mother? How do we put this into application? The first, the first area that we learn from Mary's life is this, that Mary displayed humility. She displayed humility. Back in Luke's gospel, chapter 1, I'm going to turn there. Luke chapter 1, Mary is probably about 13, 13 years old, somewhere around there. And the angel Gabriel is dispatched to this little Jewish girl. And he is sent to the town of Nazareth in Galilee. Verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And when Gabriel came, he said to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin?" We see that in humility, Mary received the message from the angel. Now, birth announcements, they're special. Can you imagine Mary having this birth announcement? Imagine if she was on Instagram and she would post, I'm just here, you know, with Gabriel. What are you doing? How's your day going? I'm just hanging out with an angel. And he just told me, I'm going to bear the Christ child. This is humanly impossible. And she received this message and she responded to this message in trust. She responded in faith. Her trust was in the word of God. And she said, how will this be since I'm a virgin? But her question was different than Zacharias's question. And she was saying, not, I don't believe this. She was saying, tell me how this is gonna happen. And Mary not only received this message from the angel in humility, but she responded in humble trust, and then she resounded in praise to the Lord. This all is characterized by humility. Mary said, and this is her song in in chapter 1, she goes to visit Elizabeth. And in verse 45, Elizabeth is saying, and blessed is she who believed. This is Mary believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said in verse 48, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary was humble. She recognized that she needed a savior. This is her anthem of praise. Who needs a savior? Sinners. And Mary 
though a sinner, needed a savior, and she recognized it is God who saves. She needed to be delivered from the power of sin, from the penalty of sin, and one day she would be delivered from the very presence of sin. Do you understand this about Mary? And I'm wondering, do you understand that about you, that you need a savior? Can you hear what Mary said in this, that she resounded in praise to the Lord? I pray that you know Christ as Lord and Savior. Mary, she demonstrated and displayed humility. And we also see from Mary that she experienced happiness. She experienced happiness. Here she is, probably about 14 years of age when Jesus is born. And there's a great celebration. You know, nine months have gone by, and, and Mary is rejoicing. And Joseph with her at the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, they rejoiced. There's great joy. There is great joy when, when three times a baby girl's been put in my arms. There's great joy. I have watched my wife deliver these three babies and go from great sorrow, great pain, crying to great joy. The tears switch to tears of joy. And here, Mary and Joseph, as Jesus is delivered, they rejoiced at this birth in Bethlehem. There was great joy. And Mary and Joseph, they celebrated and the angels came, and in Luke chapter 2, they, they gave the announcement to the shepherds, and the shepherds were the, the first individuals to be there and to worship there at the cradle of Jesus, the manger in that stable, and they go telling everybody. And in Luke chapter 2, we see this clue of Mary as a mom, as, as she is hiding all of these things. She's putting all of these things in her heart. It's in Luke 2 and verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. You moms know better than anyone of all that you carry in your heart for your children, for your grandchildren, for the ones that you have maybe adopted. They're your children and you love them. And maybe it's neighbors. And you, you have a love. Mary has treasured all these things in her heart. She's pondering them. She's thinking on them as the shepherds return to where they belong and they're, they are glorifying and praising God for everything that was accomplished. But the shepherds weren't the only ones that celebrated this birth. Some time went by and the magi came from the east. And in Matthew chapter two is where we get the account of the magi, the king anointers, the wise men. And they come bringing gold and frankincense and myrrh. And by now the family is in a house and they enter the house and they fall down and they worship at the, at the, at the feet of the Christ child. They don't worship Mary and they don't worship Joseph, but they come bringing gifts to Jesus and worshiping him. Worship is reserved for God and for God alone. And so that wasn't offensive to Mary and it wasn't offensive to Joseph. They knew their place and they too were worshipers. So there was great joy. There was times of rejoicing and celebration and happiness. But we see thirdly that Mary embraced heaviness. And this is a heaviness of the heart. And we see this in Luke 2 and, and in Matthew chapter 2 and Luke 2 and um, in verse 22, it's, it's time. And they take the, the baby boy Jesus to the temple and they're going to go through the, the, 
the process that they are prescribed in the law. They are faithful followers of God. And so, as it says in Luke uh, 2 and verse 22, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles, And for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother. Now here is where Mary is going to carry a future grief. Here she is about 14 years old. And Simeon says this prophecy to her. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. She carried a future grief. About 14 years old, and she gets this weighty message, this heavy message from Simeon from the Lord. Sometimes we think it might be easier if we knew the future. Well, if I knew what was going to happen, maybe it would be easier. I would know what decisions to make and where I would go. Do you really think it would be easier to know all things about the future? To know what's coming in in this week? To what's coming in the future years? The Lord has given the, the grace that we need for today. Mary was given foreknowledge of what would happen to her. And she embraced this. She didn't run from this. She embraced this future grief. Not long after that, in Matthew 2, they would, they would flee. Somewhere when Jesus is about two years old, the magi come and they're warned in a dream and they go another way and Herod is, is furious. And so in a dream, Joseph is warned and they, they make this flight to Egypt. They just have to hurry up and they're given the news and they make this flight to Egypt. They didn't catch a plane. There was no plane. This was a difficult journey. This is a young child. Mary's probably at this point about 16 years old and they're having to go into a far country. And she embraced this heaviness of heart. Not only did she carry future grief, they fled to Egypt in a hurry. They made that flight. She had to put up with embarrassment, these feelings of embarrassment. These are real. 
When the family returned home to Nazareth after Herod died, back at home, they had to endure all of the rumors from their family and from their neighbors. When they traveled to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, uh, Jesus was about 12 years old. They lost him, had to go back. And in Luke 2, 51, here we see Mary, his mother, treasured up all these things in her heart. She experienced these feelings of embarrassment, of shame, but it's worthwhile. She also witnessed the rejection of her son. When he would return home and his public ministry would be given, she would witness the rejection of her son that they would formally, they would like Jesus' message at first in Luke chapter 4, but soon he would confront them. He would confront them over their pride. He made a fulfillment that I am the one we've been waiting on from Messiah in Luke chapter 4 as verse 18 and 19, the scrolls of Isaiah are read in verse 20. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? And they said to him, doubtless you will quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What have we heard that you did at Capernaum do here in your hometown as well? And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown, but in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. That wasn't his day to die. But his mother witnessed this rejection of her son. Not only that, the heaviness of heart that she dealt with, she was socially distanced by Jesus. Family distance. It happened in John 2. At the, there was a wedding, and they ran out of wine. And Jesus' mother said, Jesus, they ran out of wine. He said, why is this a concern? She told the servants to do whatever he says. This is what Jesus said in John 2 and verse 5. Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Mary was not offended by this. This was a distancing, a distancing that was happening, recognizing that Jesus' ministry was about to be public. And she's humble. She's still humble before Christ and she submitted to the sovereign plan of God. It happened again in Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, verses 19, 20, and 21, that Jesus, there's a crowd, 
And Jesus' mother and his brothers, they have a concern about what Jesus is doing. They come and they come to the edge of the crowd. They can't get to Jesus. They send word to Jesus. And this is how Jesus answers the word that comes, that Jesus, your mom's here, your brothers are here. And in Luke 8, 21, Jesus doesn't say, oh, make way and let in my mother and let in my brothers. No, he says this, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. There's a flattening happening there. There is an equalizing that's happening there. He's not disrespecting his mother. He is simply in that statement saying, there's only one way to God, and it is through Jesus Christ and through him alone to hear the word of God and respond in faith and obedience to the word of God, to not be offended at the word and at the living word who is Jesus. It happened again. There was another time mentioned in Luke chapter 11. In verses 27 and 28, there was a woman that was so moved by listening to Jesus that this woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. Now, this would have been the, the perfect opportunity for Jesus to say, Yes, let's give honor to my mother. But listen to what he said. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. It's almost the same thing that he said in Luke 8, 19, 20, and 21. There was a perfect opportunity for Jesus to give veneration to his mother, to allow veneration of his mother, and he did not. He didn't go that way. Mary knew what it was to embrace a heaviness of the heart. She also encountered heartache. Things got worse. Things became more difficult. She suffered the death of her husband, Joseph. And for this, we go to John's Gospel, chapter 19. And Jesus is now on the cross. And as he is there, the soldiers are standing by. And in verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, and I believe he's talking to John, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Mary experienced the loss of her husband. He died. Joseph died. And here on the cross, Jesus is fulfilling the responsibility of a firstborn son to care for his mother. He's putting her into the care of John, the disciple that Jesus loved. He's entrusting her. He's doing his his responsibilities, fulfilling his responsibility as a son to love and care for his mother. And so Joseph has been off the scene for some years now. She knew what it was to see her husband die, and now she's at the cross of her son Jesus. Oh, this is heartache. We can't even begin to imagine the heartache that Mary experienced watching her son be crucified. And not for anything he had done. And she knew that full well, that he was sinless, that he was 
perfect, that he was without fault. And she knew that she was a sinner. And the rest of her children, they were sinners. And the disciples that abandoned Jesus and denied Jesus were sinners. She knew that the Romans were sinners. We're all, the Bible says it so clearly, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Mary knew this. And she watched her son be crucified, suspended on that Roman cross between heaven and earth, earth, betrayed by his own countrymen, rejected, despised, not for his sin, but for ours. She encountered great heartache. But instead of just listening to her own heart, she was able to go back to the bedrock of God's promises. And I want to encourage you today, if you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with worry, just look, look at Mary. She's for 33 years, she's carried this coming day when a sword will pierce through your own soul also. And now this, this day has come. But what did she know? What did she know? She knew that God is holy. And that goes all the way back to Hannah's prayer in the Old Testament, that there is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. She knew that God is not only holy, but he is good. As the psalmist says in Psalm 119.68, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Mary knew that God cares. And so Peter would one day write in 1 Peter 5.7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. She knows, she knew that God loves. He is good. He is holy. He cares and he loves. As Paul would write in Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And so Mary, there in that moment, in that hour of the greatest heartache imaginable, she kept the faith. She was held how is this possible that she would display humility, experience happiness, embrace heaviness, encounter great heartache? By God's grace, through it all, she was anchored in hope. This hope is unshakable. This hope is founded in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so as you look at the life of Mary, I found this to be very interesting. This stood out to me. She is unmentioned in the account, in any of the gospel accounts of the resurrection. The other significant Marys, Mary Magdalene, the other Marys, they're mentioned at the resurrection but not Mary, the mother of Jesus. So I ask myself, why not? Why is she not there? And I believe the answer is because she's not the main character. She's not the one who can redeem. It's Jesus. She's not the one who can save. Mary was chosen by God. She was greatly used by God, and she would gladly, very gladly say with John the Baptist what he said with his lips. She would say with her life that he, Jesus, must increase, and I, but I must 
decrease. John 3.30. So we find Mary unmentioned in the accounts of the resurrection, but she knew the power of the resurrection. And so here we then find her united in prayer after the ascension. Jesus, her son, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and now they're left. Jesus is gone, and they're waiting on his word to be fulfilled. They're waiting on the coming of the Holy Spirit, and she knew the power of the Holy Spirit. She knew the power of the resurrection. So we find her in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, gathered with the church in prayer. What a woman of faith. What a testimony. We find her. There she is. She's in one accord. With all of them. She's in one accord. This is what Christian unity looks like. They, have, they were of one mind, waiting for one spirit. They had one passion, and that was to make much of Jesus Christ. She was one of the many who were devoting themselves to prayer. It's been said that worry is praying to ourselves. It's praying to self. Trust in God is when we pray to God. And that's what they were doing. They were waiting on the Lord. They were trusting in the Lord. I know so many love that hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. That we can take every request, every transgression, every mistake, we can take it all to the friend that we have in Jesus. And that's where we find Mary. We find her praying. She's together. That is, she's with the disciples. She's beside the disciples. She's not over them. They are not praying to her. She is with them praying with the other women. Even Jesus' brothers are there. And we can even include in that word, Jesus' sisters could be there. That comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 24 and 25, that when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. After Jesus, Mary and Joseph had other children. Their marriage was a normal marriage, that God blesses marriage, that the bed is undefiled in marriage. And so they had other children. And now we find them in the upper room and there's Mary and there's the disciples and there's the other women and there's Jesus' brothers and possibly even uh, that word in Greek can be understood that his sisters would be there, their family, his family, they're waiting on the fulfillment of Jesus' word. Mary's journey if we look at the summary, if we look at all that she experienced, it's very similar to what we go through in life. And we see that Mary's humility is so evident. Mary experienced happiness. She embraced heaviness of heart. She encountered heartache. She was anchored in hope. Now, all of us at times, we have times of happiness. We go through uh, heaviness of heart, and sometimes we experience great tragedy. Maybe even on this Mother's Day, it just is a difficult day for you because it brings memories to mind. Oh, you can, you can go to the Lord with those. How did Mary get to the place of having hope? It's because she displayed humility, that she trusted in the Lord, that she found her son as Savior 
And so by humbling herself as a handmaid of the Lord, a servant of the Lord, receiving the gift of salvation, she was able to experience happiness. She was able to embrace the heaviness of heart and encounter every heartache that she did through the death of her husband, through the cross of her son, and in and through it all have a hope that her life, her soul, her eternity was anchored in hope. That is all because of God's grace. Have you experienced the grace of God in your life? Oh, I pray that if you have not, that you would. That no matter what season you are going through right now, how difficult things may be right now, I can tell you on the authority of God's word that God knows you. He loves you. He cares about you. He is holy, and that's why Jesus came and died to forgive you and to forgive me. But we must do what Mary did, turn from our sin and trust solely in Jesus Christ. And he will save, and he will sustain you. And this is how we can have this hope that lasts for all eternity. Do you have this hope? Step one, trust in this God who is faithful. Step two, and we keep stepping to this, Christians, for the rest of our lives, rest in the goodness and faithfulness and sovereignty of the Lord. I'm gonna encourage you, take time. Questions will come up on the screen. If we can be praying for you, please connect with us. Reach out to us. If you have recently come to faith in Christ, we want to help you get started right in your Christian walk. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the example we have in Mary, the mother of Jesus. We can learn so much from this woman of faith. I thank you for the, the ladies, the women in my own life that have been testimonies of your grace and of your love and of your mercy and of faith. Bless them. Bless our mothers today, Lord. Bless those who have desired to be a mother and that has not happened yet in their lives. God, I pray that they would know your peace and know your comfort and know the hope that comes in Christ and in Christ alone. Bless your church, protect your church, give us wisdom. And Father, may your word go out clearly and faithfully today. And may many people come to worship Jesus. And we will meet them all one day around the throne of the Lamb of God who was slain for sinners. In Jesus' beautiful, powerful name, I pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. 
We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.